This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Legacy. 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 This is the Aztec Legacy Podcast with yours truly, Robert Ortiz where we honor and learn from the legacies of the past, present, and future Aztecs. Today, I have a special guest, the guy that that has many, many hats um, over the years. I mean, you've gone from football to entertainment to reality show to now you're you're a film and television writer and producer. And now, since there's quarantine, you're a at-home teacher for your oh, kids. God. You know, we're adding it all. You know, hey, just put it on the resume. I have the great Ephraim Salam with me today. What's up, brother? What's up, Robert? How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing. I'm doing tremendous. You know, in these these rough times, but I'm making the best of it. I want to thank you for coming on. Number one, number two, just to just to to start. To, everything off you know we gotta we gotta take everybody back there, there's people listening to this that you know maybe never even heard of Ephraim Salam. I know it's it's I'm it sure might, that is the case you know <laughs> hey, but we're gonna take it back to um let's take it back to high school you know you Ooh, went you went okay. to school in Sacramento correct yeah. mm-hmm. and um I just want to know the journey this is all about the journey to to get to San Diego State and while you're at San Diego State so okay. Take us back to Sacramento. We could go junior, senior year. You know, I, I'm sure that was the time you're getting recruited and all that good stuff. I know you played basketball too. So, you know, give us, give us, you know, take us back to the that time and and uh, what that experience was for you, just the whole recruiting process and playing as a prep. I'll go back to uh, 1992. Okay, that was my junior year in high school. And I had been receiving letters since my sophomore year in high school from different college, division one colleges in football. And uh, I think I was 14, my sophomore year in high school. And I got my first letter from the university of Illinois, the fighting Illini football letter. Mm-hmm. And it just started to, that really, that really, uh, that letter solidified what I was doing was, 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 making some noise and it made me really throw myself into you know being the best football player I could be at the time and so in 92 my junior year in high school I had been playing uh varsity for a couple years and I was getting recruited and this it was a lot different back then right it was no internet there was no it was you couldn't do that yeah like coaches actually physically had to come to the high school and sit in the in the coach's office and they would call you out of class. They were like, hey, Ephraim, come to the athletic director's office. And I would come and be different coaches in there like periodically throughout the recruiting process. Yeah. And subsequently enough, San Diego State never, they never came. Oh, okay. All right, they never came. That's interesting. And, but I, it was, it was a bunch. It was, I was, I was a, 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 a really tall kid. I was, what, six, right around there, six, four, six, five. I was staying like 180, 185, somewhere in there. And I played a bunch of stuff. I, I was all the defensive end, linebacker, old line. What It didn't matter. Tight end. And my best friend, I call my brother, he was a senior in 1992. And he was on the basketball team. And he was being recruited in basketball by all of these colleges. And I remember he was like, look, I'm going on a recruiting trip to San Diego State. Mm-hmm. And he went went on his trip. He came back. He was like, oh, man. It was our 
It's off the chain. We went to the beach. We had a bonfire. We had, you know, all of this stuff. And I was like, man, that sounds amazing. And so that season goes on. I get all league honors, all of this stuff. He graduates. He get he accepts a full ride scholarship to San Diego State to play basketball. His name was Deion Taylor. He accepts a full ride scholarship to play basketball at San Diego State. We grew up together. When he accepted his full ride scholarship to San Diego State, I knew where I was going to college the next year. Really? Although I hadn't even gotten a letter from them yet. I hadn't even gotten a recruitment letter for them. Right? So Oregon, I, I went on a trip to Oregon. I went on a trip to, I was supposed to go to Miami. I canceled Miami. It was too far at the time. Um, I, another one of my teammates, his name was Mike Thomas. He was being recruited as well. So we decided every, we were going to only go on trips together. So wherever he was being recruited, I would look and see if they were recruiting me. And then he would accept the trip and I would just go with him. Okay, wait, stop right there. Is, do you think, okay, now you're an adult. And yes. you're, let's say you are, your, 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 your son is being recruited <laughs> like you. Would you want him to do that exact, no, that way? No, no absolutely <laughs> exactly. not. But in my mind, I was like, it doesn't matter where I go, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I'm going to, number one, I already knew I was going to San Diego State. Even before they sent me the letter. I don't, and I don't understand took, that. I don't understand I, crazy. that. I was a kid, man. I was a child. Uh, and number two, it was just like, wherever I go, I, I know I can make it. No, it don't matter. Uh-huh. Right? It's that naive that naivete, that confidence a young person has to be able to do anything, even the impossible. But that's good, though. That's, you got to have that. Thing. You got to have that. That's the only way you can make it. Yeah. That's the only way you can make it. And so... Um, so we went to Oregon. Uh, he was like, I really want to go to Fresno State. I was like, ah, Fresno State, I don't know, man. So we, I went on the trip to Fresno State. Uh, you could have drove to Fresno State. All right, exactly. <laughs> I don't even know where else we went. I can't even remember. But I was being recruited pretty heavily because of my age. I graduated high school at 16. And really? I was, uh, yeah, and I was big. I was 6'5", 185 my senior year. And people were like, oh, my God, we can – this is a 16-year-old who's 6'5", starring on the basketball team, on the football team. I got recruited by both sports okay. in, in, in most universities, okay. so for basketball and football. So they wanted you to play both while you both. were there. Right? So one week the basketball coach would be there. The next week the football coach would be there. Right? And we were getting phone calls at home. My dad was like, yeah, you, you got you to figure something out. I mean, we, we, got, we got a lot of traction. Were your parents and, uh, excited at this time? Were they well, excited? they were. They they really were. And um, my you have dad any, was, any other siblings? Um, uh, not. I had an older older brother, and then uh, my sister who and my sisters, um, but they weren't you know athletic like that. Okay. And so, um, I've go, I'm going on these recruiting trips. I'm going on it, and then uh, I remember my coach called me one morning. He was like, "Hey, got something for you." in the uh, coach's office. So I come in, and it was a letter. It was a packet from San Diego State. Hey, we in there. And I was like, okay, I want to schedule my trip now. And he was like, oh, okay, all right. We scheduled a trip. This is the crazy part of it. This is the funny part. So my best friend is already there. Mm-hmm. He's his first semester at San Diego State, and he's calling me. And and telling me about all of this stuff, the girls, the how beautiful the girls are, how awesome the like he's doing, he's he's recruiting, yeah, he's recruiting for sure. And here they, he doesn't know you're already he, going. Oh, he knows. We already this is he already knows. He was like, man, I can't wait for you to get down here. So I accept a visit to San Diego State. Yeah, we they fly me out there, and we get to where was it? A hotel. We were standing in a hotel. We get to the hotel. Well, we get to the hotel. They take us over, and they just show us the complex. And they were like, it's late. You'll meet all the coaches and everything tomorrow morning. We'll walk you through everything. And I was like, okay. I called Dion, my best friend who was okay. there. He comes to pick me up. Um, I didn't – I no longer saw anyone from the football operations. What <laughs> – whatsoever you just disappeared i disappeared <laughs> so 
the Villa Alvarado is where yeah. all of the it used to be where the athletes would stay. Uh-huh. Basketball, football, everybody, all of the athletes would stay there. So he picks me up from the hotel, takes me there, and we spent the whole night. We didn't even go to sleep. I didn't even go to sleep. We spent the whole night. He introducing me to people. He's taking me around. All the while, the football team, the person who was supposed to be hosting me, they can't find me. Yeah. They're talking to the coaches. The coaches are worried. They don't know where I am. This is before cell phones. I was just going to say, back then, there was no cell phone. There is no cell phone, so they don't know where I am. I'm at the villas. I'm walking around. We house party. I'm doing all. I'm hanging out with the basketball team. So it was. It's a two hour thing. You get in like Friday night, Saturday, and you leave out Sunday. Mm-hmm. Dion picked me up Friday night. All of Saturday, they didn't know where I was. Sunday morning at seven fifteen, there was a knock on his door in in at Villa Alvarado. And it was a football player and like a coach. Uh-huh. And they were like, is he from Salam in here? And he was like, I come out. I, I hadn't even been to sleep yet in two days. <laughs> and they were pissed off. I bet. They I mean, didn't, they didn't know where you were. Shoot. They, they were, were probably in, thinking about lawsuits. So I go, I, I get into the car and we go over to the football complex. I'm sitting in the office. I'm barely awake. I'm like, I'm just dozing off. I haven't been to sleep in two days. Yeah. It's just been college party. And you got to remember, I'm a 16-year-old kid. Well, this is out of control. And they just laid into me. Al Luganville was the coach. And he was like, I can't believe you would use us like this. Uh, we brought you down here to show you the program. You haven't met anybody. He's just laying into me. And I'm just sitting there like, well, I'm already coming to school here. And he was like, excuse me? I was like, yeah, I'll sign a letter of intent right now. I'm coming here. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> he didn't have to do no work. <laughs> he was like, what, 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 what do you mean? I took the trip because I wanted to come here. My best friend goes here. He's on the basketball team. And they were like, oh, we didn't know any of this. And I was like, I'm good. I didn't need to see anything. I already knew I was coming here. Yeah. So the mood lightened up a little bit i got a chance to meet some of the coaches saw the locker room and all of that and like mind you my brother was uh or dion was friends with marshall so i had met marshall and some of the uh, older uh football players already because they were all in the villas yeah and that's how it got back to them that i was there and, and you know they were just like okay i signed the letter of intent and i played out my senior year had a good senior year playing the all-star game, and I was just preparing myself to beef up, which I did. I graduated high school at 185, and I got to San Diego State, and I weighed 211 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I was a 211-pound defensive end and outside linebacker when I got to San Diego State. At what height? Were you taller? I was 6'5". 6'5". And... um, I very quickly switched over to offensive line because I I was redshirting. So myself, Kyle Turley, uh, Robert Whitman, we were all offense or defensive linemen Uh uh, who were going to redshirt. And uh, a couple guys got hurt on the offensive line. So they moved us three. They came into our defensive meeting room. It was like, are you? You and you come with us. And they took us out of there and they took us over to the offensive uh, meeting rooms. Like you guys are now scout team O linemen. That's crazy. And we were like, wait, what? And they were like, yeah. Uh, which one of you guys can snap the ball? And I, nobody, Kyle was like, I, I, I play defensive end. Kyle had only been playing football for a, a year. Wow. So he was just like, and Robert was like, uh, I'm a nose tackle. And so we took us out on the field and I was the only one who could snap the ball and, and move it in a direction. So no lie, my, my red shirt year at San Diego state, I played center at 211 pounds. How was that experience? Were you getting smacked around? So you know who I had to go against? No, who? Leroy Glover. Oh, oh my goodness. 
Leroy Glover every single day in practice. I bet you that got you real good, though. Well, that's the reason why I still play offensive line, because this is literally my rotation every day in practice. I played three snaps at center, mm-hmm. three snaps at right guard, three snaps at left guard, three snaps at left tackle, three snaps at right tackle, and then I had a break for three for three plays. Every single day, my red shirt year, that's what I did. You're getting everybody's every I, everything. Yeah, you gotta remind me. I was a DN and an outside linebacker. Yeah, that next year, Al Luganbill and the coaching staff got fired. Got fired. Uh, that's when Tolner. Uh, yeah, Ted Tolner came in with Tom Kraft, Sean Payton. Um, all of those guys came in. Uh-huh. I went immediately back to the defensive side of the ball. Oh, really? My second year, I was a defensive end again. By your choice or their choice? It came. I went and introduced myself like, hey, I'm even some. I play defensive end. And boom, I went back to number 91. <laughs> that was my number. So and, you did it then. In the middle of that year. Now, I was like fourth on the depth chart. Uh-huh. We had a whole bunch of upperclassmen like Leroy. We had Ramondo Stalling. We had um, uh, big uh, Jamal Duff. Wow. All of these. I mean... I mean, come on. Yeah. Ty Morrison. Like, none of – I was no way I was going to see the field. As the 200 – at that point, I probably was 220 pounds. And so I'm there halfway through the season. Uh, one of our holdover coaches from the old Coach Schramm. He was a tight end coach and a recruiting coordinator. Yeah. Coach Schramm. He was there comes, when I got there. Yeah, he comes into an office and was like, hey, Eve, I want to talk to you. So I go, and Coach Ed White was the O-line coach. He was there when I got there. Yep. He said, hey, Ephraim, this is Coach White. I said, I know, Coach. I mean, we practice against each other every day. Um, I think you should hear him out. Coach White said to me, do you want to start next year? I said, without a doubt. And he said, then be my left tackle. And I was like, ah. He was like, trust me. I said, okay. So what so wait, happened was... Wait, wait, wait. So how old are you at this point? Because you graduated at 16. I'm 17. 17? Okay. Old, 17. okay. This is my second year in college, so 18. You're going against grown men. Oh, it was a real deal. It yeah, was a real deal. That's what I'm saying. It's probably highly illegal, but I didn't... I mean, at the time, who knows? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can do that at 16 anymore. I don't know. I'm sorry. No, I uh, don't think you can. <laughs> I don't even think you can play varsity football in high school and not be... You have to be 16, I 16, think. 16, right. So I was playing varsity at 14. Yeah. 14 and 15. That's ridiculous. Um, so what happened was Coach Schramm had showed Coach White all of the practice tape we had the year before mm-hmm. of me playing all of these positions on the O-line. And Coach White was like, wow, this kid is resilient, he's athletic, and he's smart. And I can make him a terrific left tackle. So that day, I went from number 91 to number 66. Kyle Turley had stayed on the offensive line. Okay. Right? Like, Kyle Turley was is, was like my guy. That We all came in together. And Kyle and I, at, up until this point, were going at each other every day in practice. Uh-huh. Him being an offensive lineman, me being a defensive lineman. And so now, we're on the same offensive line together. Well, that started my my real career at San Diego State. That next year, I end up starting my first game at like 240 pounds at left tackle. And that was the year we played Cal first mm-hmm. at San Diego uh, State. And Reagan, remember Reagan Upshaw? No. He was a defensive end at Cal. He was the number one defensive end in the nation. And you had to take him on. He was ranked number one in the nation for players, uh, you know, who are going to be in the draft next year. He was the number one DN in the nation. And that was my first game at left tackle. And yeah, but okay. You say that, but yeah. you've been going against. Exactly. Okay. So, exactly. so people didn't realize that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm, I gotta see all of these guys. I had, come on now. I, I was ready and we ended up winning that game and they had a really good game against against him 
so much so when at the end of the game, when I came out and he was like standing there looking at me and he was going as I was walking up out of out of the the uh up of the ramp and I'm excited and I'm like, man, that was amazing. I can't believe it. And he looked and he was like, you know what? You might be able to make a living out of this. And I was like, that was the first time it really clicked. Like, oh snap, I could go pro. Oh, like, really? Right I, I like there. I can make it to the next level. Okay. And that's just what it was. I was a left tackle. Kyle was the right tackle. Robert Whitman, who had moved, he stayed on the offensive line. He was a left guard. And then we just built built out that offensive line so much so to our senior year, we had the number five offensive lineman in the nation. So it was like Nebraska, Ohio State, Miami, somebody else, and then San Diego State. Just out the out the blue. But I feel like San Diego State has been like that for years. Yes. We always are out the blue. Like yep. what the where did they come from? You know? But the, I feel like we just always have talent. Always had talent. It's all we always have talent. And the, the crazy part is. Out of all the guys who came to school together, like we had a group of friends. We all went to the league. Yeah. Myself, Kyle Turley, Will Blackwell, Ricky Parker, Oz Akeem came a year later, uh, Mike Milano, Robert Whitman turned. He didn't want to do it. He wanted to be a principal. Like all of these got Justin, Justin Watson. All of these guys, we all came in together. Yeah. We all lived in the villas together and we all went to the league. It was, which was crazy because it was just like, this wasn't Miami. This wasn't like Ohio state or Michigan or, or any school like that, that that's normal at this was at San Diego state. And I don't think a group of kids had all gone to the league who had all come in together like us. That's special because that not only put, that not only helps us San Diego state, but it just shows that you guys were not just normal kids that came in as one position, then switched and then still (laughs) had enough talent to make it to the NFL. And and the thing is, the thing I remember is we all pushed each other. So when we we all got there, we're freshmen and and looking around, we all pushed each other. So what happened was offensively, my red shirt year, when we had scrimmages, we were wearing out the starting defense. I'm talking about Will Blackwell was single-handedly destroying the entire defense. It wasn't even close. I believe it. And everybody was like, man, these kids. But we all were like, it was a sense of pride. Like, we weren't just, like, practice dummies. We were like, we should be playing. Yeah. Like, that was our mentality. Like, we, I don't care how old we are or how old they are. We should be playing. And we pushed each other those four or five years we were together at San Diego State. And it all paid off for all of us. Yeah, I had a, I had a similar experience when I came in. So, um I I actually turned down the scholarship to San, uh, to South Carolina State, and I walked on at San Diego State. I'm from San Diego, um, born and raised, and I just – my spirit was telling me San Diego State was the place for me. I didn't want to go to a JC. I wanted to get in early, learn, learn a system, and, you know, let the coaches get to know me. So coming in, I you know, scout team, that was, that was my time to shine, right? And there was times when <laughs> – I was getting lifted up by people like, you know, I'm 165 pounds, you know, six one and the linebackers are picking me up. What are you trying to be scout team? All American. I'm like, I smile and like, yeah. (laughs) And I, I ended up winning the scout team player of the year that year for the offense. Um, But our our scout team, we had Kasim Osgood because he had just transferred and he had to, he had the red shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, we had another transfer from Cal, Ronnie Davenport. They were both going to be seniors the next year. So it was them two, me, 
and some talented other freshmen like Mike Franklin, Jasper Harvey. We were doing the same thing, just balling every day. And we had some talented defensive players like Ricky Sharp, Kirk Morrison, Will Demps, Jerome Haywood, uh, Jeff Schult, uh, Marvio Underwood. Man, most of these guys went to the league, and it was so much fun. I mean, but I think us us being competitive, somewhat competitive on the offensive scout team, it only made our defense better. So the funny thing is Will Demps, I've known Will Demps since he was a baby. Really? A baby I baby? Was, like a, a, a little, like a third grader, wow. second grader. Um, How is that? Isn't he from Palmdale? N- no. No? He's from up north. So I went to school with his cousin, and then he moved up to Con- he moved up to Sacramento when he was a, a, a kid. Oh, okay. With him in the league, too. So that which was another mind. Wait, wait. You cut out. You played with him in the league, correct? In the league. We you were on the same to- team together in the league. Uh, and it, it was just crazy. Like, when you see younger kids like that, like Lance Briggs, mm-hmm. right? I went to school with Lance Briggs' sister, so I remember when Lance Briggs was three. And then to play against him in the league, that it was crazy to me. I'm like, man, this, this is as good as Lance turned out to be for the Bears. I was like, I remember we used to, like throw him down the stairs and like it was just it's just crazy. Yeah. So when I see people like Will and these younger kids who grow up to be dynamic athletes, it just I mean I love that. Right. Yeah. I always took the whole big brother approach to to the to the younger guys and even the younger players coming in. Like I was on my way out when Akbar was coming in after me, you know, torturing his brother Kabir. Uh <laughs> That's another one who came in with us. Kabir came when uh, Kabir is another one who came in with us, uh, or well, a little bit after us, but he was part of our group who yeah. went to the league as well. Mm-hmm. Even Akbar went to the league. Yeah, you know. So we, I, I played two seasons with Akbar. Uh-huh. My redshirt season, and then he had his sixth year. I call it his tenth year. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, and, man. Yeah. Um, but it was that was the. That was the mentality. Like when younger people came in, like you can go and and work hard, and it'll pay off. Like oh, you, yeah. the opportunity will come. Mm-hmm. So if it's scout team or whatever it is, we had already set the the precedent that if you want to play next year, this is where it starts. Yeah. So guys were coming in hungry. Yeah. I remember sure. Kabir. Oh, it's the worst type of player. Like so Kyle, myself, we're all older. Mm-hmm. Right. This is we going into our our senior year and Kabir is young and he is like, you know, like he's that gnat at practice. Right. We play on Saturdays, Friday practice. He's trying to chase the quarterback down and tackle him from behind. Yeah. Which you don't do. Which you don't do. So we used to take out bounties on him. Wow. And I'll, I'll never forget on the front of the daily Aztec coming out of spring games was a picture of Kyle Turley choking Kabir on the ground in the bushes because we were like, every time we go up against him, we're going to make him touch the ground. Yeah. Right. So that was our thing. We were going to just attack him. But what that did for him is it made him better. hundred percent. I was just about to say that. You gave him a taste of what, if he was playing, like, in games, he would yeah. probably experience that exact thing. Well, that's thing. what Leroy and all those guys were doing to us. Yeah. Leroy Glover used to pick me up into the air. <laughs> yep. Right? Like this. And just, and just, but, you know, you learn. Okay, next time I'm not going to let him get his hands underneath me. So I got to hit his hands down. Like, you just, you pick up different things, whether it be, a receiver going against a DB, whatever that is, you pick up on it and it's like iron sharpens iron. And that's no more evident than, you know, that group of guys. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause, uh, I've been since 2010, I started doing like, that was when I, I finished, uh, with the Patriots and I, uh, I had an opportunity to 
get into like commercials and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, doing both, both principal and stunt, stunt type football stuff. And, uh, I, I'm a lot of guys that are on those projects are a lot of USC guys. Right. So you're hearing all these like stories about how, you know, practice was way harder than, uh, in the games like you know we have all these superstar athletes and we were just going at each other you know they were saying like Pete Carroll was you know taking you know basically telling them the best player is going to play so you guys better go you know and they're like games are easy you know and it showed it showed you know um but that took me back to you know our practices and what I was trying to do on the scout team you know I was just trying to make a name for myself at that point. Yeah. Uh, but I knew that I needed to get better. And the what what better way to go against your first team defense and and you know, try everything. Try things everything. that that work, don't work, you know. There was times I went up to block Will and he just it was like hitting the wall. He was just like <laughs> and I just fell straight down. I'm like, "Shoot. This dude is ridiculous." So, um yeah, that's so dope. I appreciate you sharing that that story. But I I want to I want to get into also not just life after football, but just how did you get into doing everything that you do? Because there's so many things that you do. I mean, you Google your name and you there's just you know producer, there's there's writer, there's you know so many things, and then reality reality show. You know, I don't know if you know, but I was on the reality show with Akbar and Ricky Sharp. Yes, I remember. Yes, yeah, so expedition. We, what was it? Exposition. Uh, expedition. Impossible. Uh, impossible. Yes, yeah. I remember that. I remember. Yeah, so, so um, first of all, how was that experience for you? I want to get that. Uh-huh. Second, I want to know. Um, you know, I got to ask about the commercial. I got to yeah. ask, is that a true story? True story, man. You really went in the, the grocery he was store? bagging groceries. No, I know that. Literally. I know that. He took, look, so he, I was with him also. I was with him his senior Check. year. Yep. I was a red shirt. We were on the bus driving to a scrimmage or something. It might have been like family day or something. And I don't know how we we got on the conversation, but I basically... Oh, I know what it was. Whenever we do like ladders or any type of thing, that boy had some nice feet. Chester yeah, Pitts. Chester Pitts. Yep. I'm talking about Chester Pitts. So anybody that's listening, he had some nice just quick feet. Quick yep. feet yeah. And, you know, he was like, the first, I, the first time I played was a couple years ago. And he said, uh, the first day out, he's like, I was dead. Like they had me doing laps and, and getting in conditioning. And he's like, I thought I was going to die. I, and I, to me, looking at him, you know, I'm a freshman, and he's that guy, and I'm like, right. "You really?" And then, um, and then he told me the story about, you know, he had a child, and then um, he had, uh, he was he was working nights at the at the grocery store, you know, and I'm just like, "Dang!" Like he made me feel like I'm not doing enough. Enough, yep. yeah. <laughs> so I knew the whole grocery store part was was true. But I didn't know the whole story was true. Go ahead and tell real quick the story about discovery of Chester Pitts. So he was a regular student at San Diego State. Okay. Right? So you would see him on campus or, or stuff like that. But we would always see him at the grocery store. Uh-huh. He was always there. Like at night, he'd be there at the grocery store bagging groceries and is all that of the, that. Is that the Ralph's by... Uh, wow. Yes. Right off of uh, El Cajon? Yep. Okay. After my senior year... I was done with football. I had just gotten a brand new Corvette. The new body style just came out. 1998 Corvette. Okay. All right. I see you. And I was having like a little get together where we stayed. Uh-huh. Like Kyle and I live right next door to each other at Talmadge. Okay. And um, Man, Talmadge was then back then yeah. too? Yeah. I thought Thomas was new when I got there. <laughs> no, we well, trust me, we broke it in. <laughs> we definitely broke it in. Matter of fact, so much so that in Kyle's spare bedroom, he had a jacuzzi. Are you inside me? in the second bedroom? How do you even get one in the door? That's for another day. <laughs> but we were having a party, and I was getting the stuff, and he was helping me out to the car, and he sees this Carvette, and he was like, "What is that?" 
he went crazy. He was like, oh, man, he, he was sitting all inside of it and doing all of this stuff. And then uh, he was like, man, how did you get that? I was like, well, it all came from, you know, me possibly going into the draft this year and playing football. And, and I, we started talking. And he was like, damn, I'd love to have a car like this. I was like, you, you big as hell. You should really play football. And he was just like, oh, no, man, I, you know, he had his glasses on. He was doing all this. He had, like, tape around the glasses. And he was just like, oh, no, you know, I don't, my mom didn't let me play football. And I was in the, I went to a magnet school, like a math and science school. Just as nerdy as you can be. Yeah. As big as he is. Yep. So at this time, Chester's like 6'3", like 295 or something like this. And so I was like, bro, you should really think about, you know, I don't know, walking on, maybe talking to the coaches. And I think Kyle Turley had had a conversation with them as well and even went to the coaches like, hey, this you should really look at this kid or whatever. And that's all I – it was gone, right? Like I went off to the league. I got drafted by Atlanta, went off to the league. And a couple years later, I'm watching the San Diego State game and they were like, at left tackle, uh, you know, like, oh, yo, what? So the ba- the grocery bagger is now the starting left tackle. And it just was, I was just, I, number one, I was so happy for him. So you and never that, actually played with him then? No, 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 oh, no, no. okay. I didn't play with Chester. And the, the best was, number one, he got drafted five rounds earlier than I did. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> which blows my mind. And number two, after his fifth year in the league, we end up playing with each other. In Houston, correct? In Houston. When I got to Houston, he was the left tackle. Uh And I told him, before I even got there, before I knew I was going there, we saw each other at the Super Bowl. It was in Houston. We saw each other at an event. And I was like, man, I'm going to be a free agent. I was thinking about coming out here. And he was like, well, you're going to have to play right tackle or left guard or something. I was like, no. What's going to happen is they're going to move you to guard and they're going to move me to left tackle. And we started laughing and talking. A couple months later, get a call from Gary Kubiak, who was my coach in Denver. I want you to come to Houston with me. I said, okay. So I get there. They moved Chester to left guard tackle. And we got a chance to play with each other for a couple years, which was the, that, that is probably the high, outside of playing in the Super Bowl, starting in the Super Bowl. That was a highlight of my football career because here it is. I got a chance to play with a guy who was a friend. Yeah. Right. Like he was a, like a real friend. And so you our guys, chemistry. You guys kept in contact though. Oh, after, yeah. oh yeah. Even yeah. though you didn't play together, you kept in contact. Yes. Okay. And our chemistry playing together, as you know, you know, that un- th- those unspoken things that you can do in, in a game. I mean, I was I was probably the best left tackle. I mean, left guard I ever played with. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh-huh. Because we had a real relationship outside of that. So that was the genesis behind the Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. I saw you. Uh, you did an interview said that was the best Super Bowl co- commercial ever. And I, I believe it. I believe it. I mean, I, I don't, I, what better I, I commercial would, is a, a story like that to NFL players? You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. it, it. honestly, I agree. You know, after I went back and looked at it again, because I seen it back in the day, because obviously yeah. I knew uh, Chester and I played with Devin uh, Pitts, his, his mm-hmm. younger brother. So, um, of course, I, you know, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, okay, you know. But, um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, I showed um, – I showed my family yesterday or the day before, and they're like, is that really true? I was like, hey, I'm going to ask them. I'm going to ask them. It's true, man. I'm telling you. That's what happened. That's crazy. That's what that's what happened. And so, I mean, just I always had a, a personality for media. Yeah, obviously. I, so, it shows. <laughs> so so throughout time in, in the league, I always was – you know, in the off season, I would come out to LA. I would, you know, do guest spots and stuff like that. But everywhere I played, I've always had a radio show and a television show. Wow. So every market I played in, every team I played on, I always was I was into that, 
right? And as an offensive lineman, it's not a big mark. It, it well, it didn't used to be a big market for that. Mm-hmm. So I used to have to do a lot of things for free. I just needed the experience. I wanted to create the relationships. And so when I retired, I already knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. Right. I already knew that I wanted to go into media in front of the camera. And then as far as, you know, entertainment, movies and television shows, my same best friend, Deion Taylor, when I was playing for the Denver Broncos, he was overseas playing professional basketball in Germany. Mm-hmm. And he had called me and said, hey, I got an idea for a movie. He flew out, and that was the beginning of our entertainment company, which is now called Hidden Empire Film Group. So that was my first foray into producing. Wow. And that was his first foray into uh, directing. Neither of us knew how to do any of that. Uh, Fifteen years later, we've had a string of hit movies uh, yeah, come up. Yeah, I've seen it. Traffic. Um, we had Traffic, Intruder, uh, Black and Blue. I just saw uh, Black and Blue the other day. Yeah. I didn't know that yeah. was you. That's dope. Yeah. 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 So uh, we had a big one, huge one coming out next month, June uh, 19th. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's called Fatal, and that has two-time Academy Award winner Hillary Swank mm-hmm. uh, and Michael Ely, Mike Coulter, Tyron Turner, a suspense thriller, off the chain. So we had a release date through Lionsgate on June 19th. Of course, the world shut down yeah so that moved our new release date is october 30th okay so we're still good october 30th right, good we have that big release coming out along with a few other titles next year to top the top of next year but that's how i got into like the producing yeah. and things like that in terms of writing which uh i've written on two premium cable shows now been in two writers rooms uh one called the continental based on the john wick movies Uh and two the second one the one that i just got off of is called intercepted 50 cent is my boss as as well as lala uh anthony okay it's good company right there it is good company it is good company but it was just uh i'd always had an an ability to tell stories that goes back to the commercial and all of that because all of that started from telling me telling the story that fans voted on yeah and put it down on paper. Yeah. Right? That's the that's the, that's the genesis of writing, right? If you can if you can tell a story, you can write a story. Yeah. And so I I wrote a screenplay, my first uh screenplay with a writing partner 2 years ago. And I submitted that and one of my neighbors who was a big time showrunner had the Continental and he was like, "Yo, I want you to come in and I want you to be a part of the writing team." Because you've experienced things these other 20, 30-year-old writers could never experience. And that was my first foray into that. And from there, the co-EP of that project, she got another project last year. And she called me to help her build out that project. And then also hired me into the writer's room for that project. So that was my foray into writing. And I was always under the belief, Robert, if you want to do something, just go do it. I mean, hell, who, right? Same thing. I'm the same way. It's just there. Like, why, why, why not do it? Why can't I be a writer? Yep. Right. Like, See, so th- the funny part is, I want to do the same thing, right? But I haven't. I just haven't done it yet. But mm-hmm. I told myself many a times, just do it. Just start it. I you tell know? you this: the thing that helped me, that put me over the hump, that you should do for for a present, for a birthday present. My wife got me an introduction to the screenwriting course. It was. Five weeks, one day a week, like every Monday for three hours for five weeks. Wow. After that, the words just start coming. After you learn how to actually put the words on the paper. Yeah. Like the format, you mean? The format? Like yeah. after you learn the format? That's what I, that's what, what I think is the obstacle that's kind of keeping me. Because it's like, all right, I can write it. But right, it's, like, you... it's just a bunch of paragraphs, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, but look, it starts with paragraphs. Okay. So you just, just put your ideas down. Okay. Put your ideas down. It could be in paragraph form. It could be in bullet point form, shorthand, whatever that is. And once you learn the actual structure mm-hmm. and the dynamics of writing out, whether it be a television show, a script, an outline, once you learn those mechanics, the information is already there. You already have the information. Yeah. You just transfer that information that you've been writing down just in any order into the correct format. And I'm telling you, it just, I love it. 
I, I could see it. I, I could see it in your eyes. The I'm way you say you, it. it um, before I, you go, because I, I know time, I, I want to let you go. But going back to Black and Blue, mm-hmm. you did an interview, and I, I I don't remember what news network it was for, but it was a you, it was a lady on the other side, and you know you were talking about uh, how the NFL was going to meet about the whole national anthem stuff and um really it's not even really a question it's more of a salute to you and um the fact that she kept trying to like in the in the interview if, if anybody's i'll just google his name if from salam and it'll be one of the videos that comes up but she kept trying to change the subject. She kept trying to say, you know, well, Trump said, and you're like, it's not about Trump anymore. And, you know, and she's like, shouldn't we just stop the protest? And you're just bringing it back like, yo, can we focus on what's really the issue? Not somebody kneeling during, you know, the national anthem. Like, I understand it. it people find it disrespectful, but there's a bigger issue here. And that's the focus. And and that, and that's what you learn in media, right? You learn in media. Number one, don't get baited. Yeah. Oh, right? don't I, get baited. I, I saw you, her trying to bait you. It, because if I say something all cr- crazy and reckless, now it, it's not even about what I'm trying to speak on anymore. It's about my response to something. Exactly. Right? So what you learn in media training is you have to control your own narrative, right? Yes. Like you have the ability to answer or not answer and how you answer. Mm-hmm. And I learned that early on. We learned there, that on the uh, reality show. Yeah. They kept trying to yeah. make us uh, say like we were like we were just conceited and arrogant and muscle heads. And me and Akbar and Ricky were like, we're not going to let them do it. Just, don't, they, yeah, just yeah. Don't, don't, don't give them a soundbite they could use. <laughs> and, and you have to be cognizant of that. And, you know, Akbar came to me when he was younger asking me about uh, media and, and how to get into it. Uh, Chester mm-hmm. came to me and was like, man, how are you getting all of these things? Like, it was, it's a lot of guys who I've kind of like mentored in this space because it did come natural to me. It did feel like I was okay. My mother was an educator, so I had always been doing speeches and poems and, and, and in front of groups of people, uh, as well as my foundation. I go speak to, to schools all over the, the country uh and so i've never been uh, in a situation where i was too nervous to speak about something or felt uncomfortable because i was able always to control my own narrative yeah and i think that's important when you're dealing with the media because you can take one little sound bite and make it sound like anything 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 completely out of context and then you got to spend a whole two weeks apologize oh i didn't mean it that way so it's very important Especially in that interview you were talking about is on CNN, right? Like, so these are at the, this is at the highest of the highest, mm-hmm. right? This is national. The entire world is watching me speak on a topic that I'm not going, I'm not going to drop the ball. Yeah. Right. Like I, that's not, that's not going to be my narrative. Like it, oh man, you hear he was wilding out. He was going, it's going crazy on CNN or headline news. I think it's, they were, I think they might've thought they were going to get you. Well, I mean, I I'm telling you, because the way she kept trying to flip it, I'm like, why does she keep going back to that? I can see it and I can get it. And she has a producer in her ear. Like, all right, get it back to you can't get me like that. I've been doing this way too. I'm 43 years old. I've been doing this for over two decades. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, you'd be hard pressed to catch me slipping in an interview or something, especially something I'm passionate about, something I can speak on. Yes. Right. And I was very passionate about the situation that was going on with uh, Colin and the NFL and, 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 and what was going on in this country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, it all starts from San Diego State, though. Right. Speech class and, and all of these things that that I had access to as as being an Aztec and I'm Aztec through and through. Like, it, oh, I know you were an Aztec but, before you were an Aztec. Right. Like, so. <laughs> Even before they knew I was going to be an Aztec, I was an Aztec. Yes. It goes back to 1992 when I knew that I was going to be an Aztec for life. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate you for sharing your, your journey, your legacy. And um, honestly, it's an honor. I, I 
didn't know what I was going to get out of this, to be honest, coming into this. And you made it so easy, and you gave me some jewels, man. You gave the people some jewels, honestly. And if if San Diego State doesn't tap into you, I'm telling you, they're 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 setting this, themselves up for failure because you definitely have the knowledge, um, you have the experience, and you have what I think every player should should be. Um, shooting for even if they're not trying to be in TV entertainment or anything I mean just honestly this, just your personality and who you are you know you're a special I, individual so I keep it up that, it means a lot to me bro I really do appreciate that thank for you sure absolutely brother stay blessed man have a good weekend uh, you too. all right peace again that is lineman Ephraim Salam uh, he finished his career at San Diego State in 1997 uh, went to the NFL, played 13 seasons. So uh, he has some experience under his belt. And as you can see, he is very knowledgeable, very intelligent, and um, very personable. So young guys out there, if you have any questions, I would reach out to the, him. He obviously has uh, the wisdom. And, um, you know, as we can learn from from his journey and his legacy, uh, he may not have had major, major uh, obstacles or downfalls, but um, what he did have was the ability to think ahead, the ability to know that football is not going to last forever. So he set himself up, you know, whether it was taking a class, um, whether it was doing things for free as far as, um, you know, like in the media. And we could all learn from that. One thing I regret not doing while I was at San Diego State was doing internships. I wish I would have did internships and I would have been been able to network, um, make some contacts, and just get an idea of something I'd want to do after football. And I always end with this reminder. Your legacy and your journey is not necessarily all the awards and accolades, the touchdowns, the yards, your legacy is about the journey that it took to accomplish those things and the lives you've touched in the process. This is Robert Ortiz, and you're listening to the Aztec Legacy Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Respect the journey. Aztecs for life. Legacy. 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 This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.